At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Yes. Okay. Hello. Welcome to Oral Hygiene. It's a podcast where we look at educational films, experimental caught films, and interesting documentaries. This is Matt. Today is our first uh, menage a trois. Who's here for that? <laughs> we've, got, we've got our regular Andrew. Hello, Andrew. Hi. 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 Okay, I was like working out. I was like a technical glitch, or if you were just saying hi a lot. Yeah, I was saying hi a lot. Okay, that's cool. And then coming back is Chris Jones. Hello, Chris from the band. Hey, everybody! It's from nice the band to see y'all Wolf again. <laughs> from the from the long ago band, the Fetal Pigs. In fact, this is this is our Fetal Pig reunion. So. Oh God! Yeah, it's just like just like when we were kids and we were playing. Uh, anthrax and public enemy in uh andrew's uh room back in georgia right <laughs> oh god chris I, I don't think i've seen you then since 92 yeah i don't think so <laughs> yeah that's how we rocked this the first time uh with the with the rainbow bridge a few months ago just out of the blue yeah uh, i hadn't seen matthew uh, either so it's nice but, to, nice to be back with the crew yeah god. so well, we, uh, we, we were ahead of our time and now we're at our time yeah, we're in the middle of time, <laughs> right? Now. And our time is soon is soon over on this yeah, on this mortal coil. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I've had people say like they they skip some of the more gearhead or music oriented episodes in this podcast. Uh, folks, be warned, this is one of them. <laughs> Today, yeah, it, it, some people love them. By the way, too, I'm just like I have a few people. Yeah, I tend to skip it when it's a music one. <laughs> We're looking at pedal yeah. the pedal movie, bunch of guitar pedals, pedals out the wazoo in this one. So um, I don't know. I guess you could rock, scissor, paper, tell us what happens in this one. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie in months since I first told you about it. So yeah, it's definitely on Chris to do this one. Oh, it's on. Chris yeah, I mean, um, you know, coming. I actually build guitar pedals have been for about a decade. Um, I'm an extreme gear nerd. So I try not to go too far deep into the depths, but what this is, is it starts off as a synopsis of the history of guitar pedals and how they were created, uh, complete with uh, electronic description of all the different components. And then it goes into the different people who developed the guitar pedals. And then it shows how the guitar pedal evolved through the digital era. And then it went back to analog era. And now there's actually a new era of pedal makers that are using digital again, because digital uh, quality has finally caught up um, to sound analog. So they're using digital to emulate analog. And the movie is sprawling. It tries to attack you know, gender and race issues in this film and, and, and attacks the guitar industry and shows how the pedal industry is at odds with the guitar industry and also in harmony with it. Um, so it's a very ambitious movie for something that sounds totally ridiculous and boring on the surface. 
I take it that um, you liked it. <laughs> I, I, I found it interesting because it speaks to, I know all the characters in the movie. I know all the pedal builders. I built a lot of their pedals. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I very, I don't, I don't know how deep you want to go into this movie. I'll try to keep it in the shallows, but this is my world. <laughs> we'll, we'll the host make that decision, but I'm here for it, whatever it is. All right. I, I don't make plans. So the chief question I have, so uh, I, I do like the movie a lot, but I, I've pretty much been a plug straight into the uh, amp guy for the most part. So um, yeah. am I an unartistic heathen for having gotten into using the iPad pedals in the past year? <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, that's the far end of it that you're on the, you're on the dark edges of, of pedals right there. That's, uh, you're pretty deep in there. <laughs> Because <laughs> I, I, I I got some here, but yeah, like, like I said, my 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 muff is collecting dust. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's a I classic. Man. It. No, it's yeah. fantastic. It's just uh, to do this, I gotta get the amp going. Well, actually, I guess I don't have to, but eh, I feel like it has to be all analog if I'm gonna use this. <laughs> yeah, I think that no other pedal has quite the same leverage of just knowledge of outsiders and different genres of music as the big muff. So they did focus a lot on that in the film and I built big muffs and honestly, like it's, it's totally overrated. I mean, I think they kind of went into that aspect of pedals. It's like at the end of the day, none of these pedals are going to make you sound like Jimi Hendrix. Like it's just not going to happen, dude. Sorry. You know, <laughs> you know, no matter how much big muffs you buy and stack them in a, in a row and get the big giant high watt amps, you're not you're not going to sound like Billy Corgan. Even Billy Corgan doesn't sound like Billy Corgan because he's insane. And he, you know, he he does too many stacked guitars and even they explained a lot of that. I thought they did a really good job of showing how ridiculous pedals are in general. Yeah, when he was like, yeah. I, I, I'm going to I stack six rhythm tracks. I'm like, dude, why? <laughs> yeah um yeah the dude from phil collin from def leopard said he used to do 100 guitar tracks stacked on every song during the hysteria recordings which is just ridiculous to me i think you know, my I big breakthrough never tried to play guitar if that was what i listened to as a like as someone who wanted to learn guitar i would have just went I'll, I'll never sound like that. And that's because he doesn't sound like that. Like it's a hundred him. And how disappointing when you see them in concert, you know, you realize like that doesn't sound anything like the recording, you know, but whatever. It was the eighties. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, think I had my big mental breakthrough a, a few years back when I realized that uh, Kevin Shields from my bloody Valentine actually doesn't really record more than uh, two tracks. He just spends decades mixing his albums for some reason <laughs> yeah i guess that, that's its own crazy but hey he's only he's, he's doing it right he's just putting on two real loud you know jazz master tracks so <laughs> yeah i think that the whole mystique of pedals and gear in general for musicians is is such a dark space of like you can put whatever you want in it. And ultimately there's like somebody with a product behind it. That's trying to sell you something. And, you know, I always like tell young guitar players, like learn how to play without any pedals. That's what I did. I didn't have very many pedals until I got, you know, started gigging regularly. And um, I will say this pedals. There's two types of pedals. There's ones that make noise and they do crazy shit. 
And then there's ones that actually solve problems and actually have a purpose and they actually do great things, but you wouldn't even know that they're doing the thing. Like a tuner, for instance, I've had my tuner for many, many years. It's a great, that's the best pedal I own, I tell people. It doesn't do anything to the sound. It turns on when I need it to, and it turns off, and it my guitar is always in tune. So, you know, that's that's like one far end of the spectrum. And then there's like that Z-Vex Fuzz Factory. I don't know if you saw that, them talking about that thing, or that the fact that they now make pedals with like 30 buttons and knobs on them. And that's like in the other direction of just like, there's a whole, the thing I think that they didn't explain is there's a whole new generation of YouTube artists who, and guitar players out there that never will play a gig in their entire lives. And they may become famous and make a lot of money, but they never will perform live. And all they're doing in their room is they're putting their 20 pedals together and they're making bleeps and blops and bloops, just like synthesizers. And so there's a whole new market for that. But these people aren't real musicians in the sense that they're not studying music. They're just like making awful noises. And some people like that, you know, noise is a whole genre of music. So I think that that, that was something that, they didn't explain why the pedals were so popular. It's because all these bedroom players are now using them instead of learning to actually play songs <laughs> and gigs, you know, and gigging or whatever. Totally yeah, true. They, they totally. show us that. I guess they kept using the term uh, transparent for the pedals here, which is maybe what you're talking about, um, which yeah. I, I'm definitely not. I mean, if I hear any of these things, it's going to be in Japanese. I'm not going to catch it anyway. So. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Well, guitar pedals, they use they use words to describe things like they say creamy or fat or like gnarly or, you know, there's, there's all these adjectives that they use to describe how these pedals sound. And they're just overused terminology. And it's, and, you know, having built all these pedals and played all of them, they all have distinctive characteristics but they're not really expressible in words like transparent is a stupid word because transparent just means it doesn't do anything was is actually what it means you know i mean by the way we're not having know. any technical issues uh you're, you're just running your voice through pedals yeah exactly <laughs> the, is it is it doing something weird i may have i may have to check my internet here we, we've had a few, but yeah, I'm just sitting here. Eh, sounds like what a pedal does to a voice or something. So I guess it's probably okay. I got this one, for example. I've, I've never once used this on a guitar. Only vocals and percussion. It's a reverb pedal. I just got into like, I want it for vocals and percussion, but I don't like it on a guitar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I have hundreds of pedals and I only use about five of them for my gigs and it's a phase 90 analog delay i use an overdrive only because i can't drive a vintage amp to the volume that needs to get to sound great and all the time sound guys ask you to turn it down so i always have a uh, like an ocd it's called like they talk about it in the film and stuff and it's just like having these like five pedals is really all I use. And the others are just for fun to make noise and play in my, play in my house and stuff, drive my neighbors crazy. <laughs> but where are so. our first pedals? We, we, we might've shared our first pedals. Um, I remember Maybe, yeah. one. <laughs> we had the Ibanez, Ibanez. one running around in 
Yeah, actually, I, I never got the same distortion tone from anything as I did from that Ibanez, the little pink one. I don't even remember what it was called, but it was it was supposed to make you sound metal, I think, but it just really, mm-hmm. it, it, it you know, kind of like how I use the overdrive, it made it really loud. That was wonderful. Right. <laughs> and I think yeah, I, I stole my pedals basses. from my dad. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's a fortunate kick there. Um, yeah, since he had the pink uh, Ibanez, I was like, oh, I'll get one for a bass. I know with a bass chorus, which um, and eventually that was <laughs> Never my use only. That? You, you used it on I, that uh, a record or something, didn't you? Yeah, I used no, I used it live. Oh, on the Evergreen one, I used it on that, but I used it live uh, with guitar later on. It was the only actual pedal I actually had hooked up to the rig because the other one was just the uh, amp clip uh, click box for uh, the spring reverb and the uh, and the overdrive on that amp. I just checked my pedal board, and I also use five. <laughs> <laughs> it's a magic number, right? <laughs> one, two, three, four. Does a preamp count as a pedal? No. No, I got four. Okay, <laughs> that's also debatable because there's there's a whole thing where they, you know, it's like now I've actually shifted back to like super old vintage amplifiers. Um, I collect and and have been working with this guy who works for Jackson Brown, and he builds out these and fixes all these old vintage like forties two PAs, and so I've actually gone back to just fully analog tube great stuff and. Um, and I've never been happier. I mean, I think the pedals have a definite limitation, you know, and and that's I think something that they act like at the end of the movie, like this is going to continue forever, will it? And the answer is, I think definitely not. I think we're in like some phase right now where it's one thing with pedals and they're hot, and then they are eventually going to devolve, and there's going to be too many of them, and people are going to be like, what is all this crap? And Somebody will separate the wheat from the shaft like 20 years from now and figure out what was good. But most of them are not that great or they're weird and they just make weird noises. They're not useful. Yeah, that about 15 years ago, I, um, the bass player in my band at that time, he was like, hey, I got here. I think he like gave it to me. And I was like, this has no use. <laughs> like yeah, exactly. It looks cool. But it was it a DOD crap. pedal? Do you, do you remember the DOD pedals? They kind of texted on those. Oh, I always avoided They're those. So yeah, ugly. I remember. I remember consciously avoiding those. <laughs> <laughs> They've had. They the have Digitech a renaissance. Ones. Like people love them now. They're Weird. they're popular again. Okay. I know. I I like shredded well, I, through, through those things, and I hated them. But yeah, they were just cheaply built compared to the the one the boss ones that I would use. Yeah. But yeah, I I still have two boss ones in my. Yeah, I still have two boss. Yeah, the Japanese really no, did it right. I mean, they they actually made awesome stuff. But um, but I think backing up, one thing I wanted to talk about that I really liked was the beginning of the movie. They talk about the germanium transistor. Did y'all pick up oh, yeah. on that, that at all? Fascinating. I had no idea about that stuff. Yeah, so I really got into fuzzes and rebuilding all the original ones, like the Maestro and the Tone Bender, and I built many of those and i was actually importing um transistors from bulgaria and from the russian the edge of eastern um europe and russia um there's there's you can still find them online so i was buying all these like russian parts from the 70s and 80s and they're incredible they they actually are amazing you know and the fact that they do crazy shit 
and they are like really kind of the most interesting like if you like 60s fuzz which i love that sound you know you get sid barrett in one pedal and then the next pedal is david gilmore and then the next pedal you get kind of uh more jeff beck kind of thing so i got i went down that rabbit hole <laughs> for, for a long time but that was really interesting to me yeah, i guess my version my version of that What's rabbit that? hole, I guess, was getting to uh, my version of that rabbit hole, I guess, was more synthland. Um, yes. So I'm, I'm just thinking the Russians also have some like pretty wild uh, 70s synthesizers like the Poly 6 that also just make ridiculous, ridiculously awesome noises. But yeah, ridiculous noises. <laughs> right. And but, I mean, essentially, um, a lot of pedals are just using synthesizer technology, like the phase and the flange and all that stuff is they're all oscillators, low frequency oscillators and um, voltage controlled oscillators. And they use te the technology developed by synthesizer um, people mostly and adapted for guitars. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, whoops. Sorry, I fuzzed out. I fuzzed out. I, I can just rock this mic enough and get a nice effect where I could buy any mic. <laughs> <laughs> it won't sound the same, man. <laughs> it, it kind of won't i don't know actually i'm talking about that preamp i just um the newer one is collecting dust because the newer one just never sounded as good and i finally found a fix for the old one so it's it's back to the old one because it just it has the right kind of a uh, room in the sound i guess yeah i was yeah. at sharks and minnows rehearsal uh i guess they were recording actually they're all in the same room a couple of weeks ago and Chris Simony was like all like, what what gear did you use when you were in Thumper and all this stuff? He apparently was a fan of my effects and all that crap. And and I had to tell him it was a it was an amp I had since I was nine that I dropped down the stairs. And uh, <laughs> I I ran it through a four, you know, like a four by four or whatever. And it uh, I never got better sound. <laughs> it yeah. like went right into it, never got better sound. It was great. Right? Oh god. Story yeah. of my life, man. I went through that <laughs> with a waffle too. Just there's something about it. I don't know. It's like everything yeah. that I get I drop down the stairs just as for good measure. Yeah. Um now I now I, I'll I'll put out the disclaimer. I know I know Henry Kaiser's a very good guitarist, but you guys have seen that uh clip of the instructional video on YouTube with mm -hmm. Henry Kaiser, have you? By chance. No, I've never seen it, but I'm I'm a fan of Henry oh. Kaiser. Right, right, but it's this instructional video where he's just using some insane effect. He's like, "Okay, give me a, give me a nice blues riff," and the drummer's like, dun, dun, dun. and then he starts playing. It's like, blah, blah, blah. it's like the worst sounding yeah. ever. <laughs> he's a he's a he's from the Zappa school of just like trying to do the wackiest thing to throw you off your game. You never work. Yeah, because I've heard him playing fantastically on some albums, so I'm not, you know, I'm not going to poop on him too hard, but I will poop on his instructional video. That was just insane. Like, this isn't going to teach anybody anything. No, no. Steve Albini has a couple where he does some. This kind of segues into another thing I wanted to discuss. Do you, any of you guys are you into guitar pedal demo videos? Did you ever experience any of those prior to watching that movie? Yeah, I'd seen. Some. I play a lot of like guitar demos, but not so much the effects. I would, oh, Andrew, I would, it sounds like you have more affirmative answer. I would, I would be interested in getting one. I would always go like, I need this specific thing. It's always like a. They have to like Chris, like you said earlier. They they had a specific function I was looking for. 
And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I would, I would see one in the store or online and I'd be like, well, obviously I need to hear how this sounds. So then I would go down the hole of watching the videos. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, I got into just the addiction of watching them just because they're fascinating from a guitar player's perspective. Uh, there's one guy, it's just his boot and he's got a leather or like a snakeskin boot <laughs> and, you know, like bell bottom jeans. And he's like some Southern guy. And he's like, you know, like tone bender, Mark 2.5 step on it and then he steps on it and he just rips and skinnered and it's amazing that guy i think his name is like gear man dude or something on youtube and then andy martin they they have him in the movie and andy martin is the the pedal guru like he has fans of people that like he has more fans than my band will ever have he has millions of followers and his videos get thousands of views within the first day they come out and it's because he's such a great guitar player, but this guy probably never plays a gig. He probably lives, you know, with his mom. Maybe that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm just saying he's like one of those kind of guys, but he's so good at pedal demos that he's become this like God to the, to these kids who basically play in their bedrooms too. And it's like more popular than actual music, which is just ironically hilarious. And so I watch all these videos. There's a guy who has like low self-esteem He's like just Nick is his name, and he literally like is the saddest guy you've ever seen. He's just like, I've been depressed in my house for weeks, and this pedal is helping me with my depression. <laughs> he just like plays sad music for ten minutes, and I don't know if you've gone down the YouTube rabbit hole in your life, you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's just, I got it's get not good. I gotta watch the yeah. guy who goes, let's step on it. <laughs> I gotta yeah. Step on it. Gear man, dude, he's amazing, you know. I get it. (laughs) It's a whole genre of YouTube videos that you can just go down this rabbit hole and watch hours of these people, and um, there's no end to the entertainment value in it. And uh, so, I also love that part of pedals because I know how pedals sound. I'll build a pedal and then I'll watch the demo and I'll be like, oh, that guy, like put it through like six other pedals to make it sound that cool. Like it doesn't actually sound that good, you know? And like, they'll do ones that sound like shit and they'll just kind of like be like, yeah, this one sounds like shit. And then you like watch them like struggle with it. And it's fun to watch that too. I don't know. It's, it's, interesting. it's and that's the thing with the guitar demos, right? I mean, yeah. Again, I'm, I watch more of those. It's like, okay, I'm not really hearing this guitar. Am I <laughs> You're no, modulating no. it so much? No. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like how people watch other people play video games. It's kind of like that, you know, same kind of feeling, you know, you're, why would you watch someone else play a video game? I never understood that, but why am I watching somebody else play a guitar? I can play guitar too, you know? I mean, it's it, with the pedals. It's like, I want to, I'm like, I think it works like this, but I need to see it work like that. And then I just look for a video that has someone semi-competent that's using it the way I need it to use it. And, that's yeah. pretty good. and they got really good at doing that. And kind of like, that's where Andrew Martin, the guy who's the, the main guy in the movie, that's where he's the master. Cause he actually does competent pedal demos and there's an art form to it. I realized cause I'm the same as you. If I'm going to spend 200 bucks on a pedal, I better know like, what it's really sounds like and what it really does. And, and it, and it takes a competent person to like do that. So, you know, they, they're really popular for that reason. 
I needed that before YouTube when because I stopped playing. I like my last game broke up in 03 because I quit, but I still did like, uh, you know, sit in stuff or like gigs for charity where I'd put together a band. And there were some times when it was a three piece and it was just drummer vocals and then me. So I had to have like splitters to do stereo. I had to have like loop pedals and things like that. And I it was yeah. It was just trial and error because I'm like, now it's easy. I just find the video. And I'm like, okay, no, won't buy that. Okay, do need that. But back then it was just like, it was this impossible thing I was trying to do, which was be two people in the band, you know, because I didn't right. really want to find a guitarist or didn't want to find a bassist. So I'm like, I'll just do both. How do I do it? <laughs> it was yeah. wasted a lot of time. I, I did figure it out and it's way easier now than it was. Yeah, yeah the videos are very helpful <laughs> i think i got most of my uh my my screwing around with pedals about uh i lived in this apartment for about three years uh in a city in japan and just within you know a 10 minute walk it was like under a train tracks so was this little music store it looked like you know definitely the place you'd find cool shit and you did find cool shit there so uh uh yeah. what's the, the fat back pedal um oh geez what's the company's name way huge way yeah, the way huge ones. I, I I really like screwing around with those pedals. So when I saw those in the movies, yeah. like, it's okay. There's there's ones I like. They had kind of a have a I guess a glassier sound, which I like. Although in the end, I ended up, ended up buying the uh, Maxon analog delay and not theirs. But that was also because of price. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the prices of pedals have gone through the roof. And uh, back in the day, you used to go to pawn shops and see them for like ten, twenty bucks. I mean. When I first started playing, the only pedals I had were the pedals that I got from my dad. I basically just stole his, you know, and that's how I found out about them in the first place. And then I still have my Wawa pedal from like, I think I got it when I first moved to California in 92. And that is honestly the greatest guitar pedal, you know, just all around. Like it does so many different things. And, you know, Wawa pedals are amazing I and mean, i think they're just so simple but they do they're so expressive like i can't think of a more expressive pedal besides the talk box which is just ridiculous and annoying but the wawa pedal is actually something that has like so many uses and it's so simple and it's the cheap still you can get one for 60 bucks on the internet like those are the, still the best pedals out there you know there's there's no pedal that really kind of does what a wawa pedal does and the way it does it and they're not expensive, you know? So I, I think, I think at the end of the day, if you want to get into pedals, go get yourself a Wawa pedal and start there. You know, that's all you really need at first. Um, and then delay Ottawa. pedals. Delay. Yeah. I built Ottawa's. I find them completely useless for the music that I make and they're annoying after about five minutes and it's tough because I really want to love them, especially the Mutron stuff. I don't know. They didn't go enough into Mutron. Mutron is the coolest company. They were such an amazing company. Um, mainly because Herbie Hancock and Chick Corea and Chick Keith Jarrett were like the first people to use their pedals. And, and it was like before Moog came out with all their pedals, uh, but about the same time in like the early mid seventies. And that company, Mutron makes the best sounding pedals. I mean, all the stuff I've used of theirs is just amazing. Even the auto filter, the Ottawa or whatever, it's still the best Ottawa there is, you know, even if you hate it. <laughs> yeah, when they showed it in the movie, 
at first I think they just managed to get a sound I I didn't like, and then but once they started showing more of the stuff, I was like, oh, okay, that's some pretty badass looking stuff there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you kind of have to hear it use how it was used on stage and in recordings and stuff, and then you kind of get it. You know? Right. The Mutron biphase alone, that that pedal is incredibly insane, and it's been used on tons of recordings, and they showed it in the movie. But it's one of the most insane pedals ever. And then there's another one called the Ludwig Phase Two or something that like it's like a giant case like the size of an amplifier, and it opens up and it folds out, and it has like two wah-wah pedals on it, and it's like got like thirty different effects built into it. I love shit like that. The more complicated and Frankenstein and weird it is, the more I'm into that stuff because I just love like synthesizers. You look at a synthesizer and you're like what is going on with this thing? There's like 5,000 knobs and what does this one do? And, you know, that's what interests me. Either that or just pedals with one knob. That's kind of the other side. (laughs) Yeah, I I should say like on a mini Moog, like half the knobs, I know exactly what they do. Half of them, I kind of think I know what they do. And the rest of them, I'm like, do these even do anything? And what does this mean? I'm not sure. (laughs) So I don't don't touch those so much. But uh... yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, synthesizers are complicated. They're very complex. But it's fun. It's like a little bit just to try to understand the concepts. And the the stuff is so complicated that you have to be a physicist to understand it. You know, you have to be on that level of which I'm not. How how do we all feel about talk boxes? I'm with you, man. I just never enjoyed the sound of it thumbs down (laughs) okay and i did think it was funny when peter frampton was like Uh, and and this guy gave me his talk box i'm like you don't share talk boxes do you (laughs) he gave me his talk box and mono (laughs) yeah Yeah. i thought the same thing i would never share a talk box with joe walsh especially in the 70s when he was an alcoholic you know who knows what that guy had Who knows how many other people's saliva is in that talk box, you know, if you're... <laughs> cleaned it with penicillin. What was Edie Brickell doing in that late 80s song? Was she uh, was she just playing her wah too quickly, or was that a talk box solo? You know, too no, that was a wah. That was a wah. I just remember... It was badly uh, played wah. I just remember, I, yeah, Andrew, I, you and I just making fun of that shit on MTV's, you know, hit countdown. We didn't even know what made that sound. We were just like, that sucks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it was a few yeah. years till we heard Hendrix, I guess. So, <laughs> well, I mean, like, well, it's interesting. It, yeah. it was uh, like Chris was saying, you know, I it's uh, the wah is the only the crybaby is the only pedal that's never left my box of stuff. I would throw it inside the amp if I had one that had a little, you know, and, and there I would that's the only one that's never left. And it's because really what it can do for tone and volume. I haven't purchased anything that's as great. It really is kind of like while you're playing, being able to have an extra hand to do, you know, stuff with the knobs. I mean, it's to yeah. me uh, indispensable for that reason. I never used it for the, the waka waka sound. I never really, <laughs> it was always for, a, yeah, more about tone and volume. You hid the waka yeah, sometimes. <laughs> I hid it from our player because the way he was using it was, uh, was a little like Edie Brickell. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing an article about uh, Kirk Hammett getting called out 
who are using wah wah pedal on every single solo and they're like kirk hammett's not a great guitar player he just wah wah pedals his way through every solo and i'm like that's actually kind of true to some extent like he totally lived in he relied on it too much you know it's like a lot of guitar players do too much with it and then mick ronson is the opposite where he would just step on it and cock it all the way so you get the most piercing nasal tone and brian may did the same thing and uh and they would just stick it in a certain spot and what it does is it just starts overdriving the amp especially tube amps and so i'm really interested in like fuzz pedals and and wah-wah pedals and tonal things that work together with the amplifier and the fuzz face is a great example of that and the genius of all that was jimi hendrix because even clapton didn't know how to use a wah-wah pedal until he met jimmy and he jimmy like literally showed him how to use this instrument because it's an instrument the wah-wah pedal is an instrument and the fuzz face is an instrument if you listen to guys you know what they're doing they roll back the tone a little bit and then it kind of cleans up and then they can like turn it up and then it does crazy shit to your amp but your amp already has to sound great to begin with you can't put a fuzz face into a solid state amp and expect it to sound like god it's just not going to you have to work together with these things and they're integrated and i really like pedals that integrate with an amplifier that's already amazing you know and, and tube amps are they're incredible i mean the ones built in the 50s and 60s were perfect and they never they never made them any better like mesa boogie doesn't make did not make the guitar amplifiers sound better to me you know I would say it's like tweed era and blackface era fenders are the best sounding guitar amps on the earth and i you know i talk to people who work in amp repair and they're like yes they're the best built best sounding best made and they're all still running so you know and i kind of feel the same way about pedals to a certain extent but <laughs> yeah i haven't had my classic 50 for 15 years but i was assured that it's still properly functioning so that's nice i did get a yeah. he bought it off me in the end i got a mind machine out of the deal <laughs> what's a mind machine it looks like a little walkman right and it's got glasses with led lights and then it plays binaural beats so <laughs> kind of trip out to it <laughs> <laughs> well that i that don't know if that was a good trade or not <laughs> well it's a good trade because i couldn't get the classic 50 to uh japan <laughs> oh okay yeah <laughs> can't no, can't I, export I, things. yeah since i um you know with space i use one of those vox night trains now because it's it's small and it's got tubes yeah they're pretty good design um yeah so all this gear stuff is you know must be annoying for people who don't love gear but if you love gear and you can talk about it for hours that movie i thought nailed it and i thought they really addressed later in the film a lot of really important things like the fact that it was all white guys who invented all this stuff in the in initially and it was all dudes playing guitar when we were kids and it is really awesome to see people like you know um uh saint vincent and there's a lot of really great female and other races of people playing music and you know i i i really think that that's the good thing to come out of all this it's like become super accessible for everybody now and it kind of leveled the playing field and the pedal world was so accepting and only in the pedal world do you have guys like craig anderton who is in that movie who is a genius like that guy is the pedal guru 
Mark Hammer, RG Keen. These people just gave information away for free. And all the pedal makers like Keeley um, and, and, and um, well, I don't want to say Mike Fuller because he's like totally hated. There's a whole thing about Mike Fuller where he, he didn't even show up in the movie because he's been so ragged on by other pedal makers. He has like no credit anymore. But there's all these pedal makers that come onto these things like Earthquaker devices where you just see them in a forum, like show up and they'll tell you something about their pedal, about how they built it. And then they'll even give away like the schematic and let other people build their pedals for free. And it's crazy. When I started doing this 10 years ago, all the little pots and resistors and capacitors, you can make a big muff for about 35 cents. Like there's nothing really that expensive to make about it. It's just three pots, a foot switch, an LED light, a couple jacks, and then a board where you can just solder in all these like one cent pieces into. So that part is really interesting. And, and I really encourage people you know, to get those like DIY kits and start building pedals to understand what's behind them. And then you can realize like how much of it's bullshit and how much of it's like <laughs> really something magical, you know, because there's not really much to them. They're very simple. I wanted to uh, cycle back just a touch. Um, you were talking about all the, the female pedal makers in Japan, especially in the past 10 years, finding a high school boy who plays guitar is like really rare now. In Japan, it's like, it's, it's a, like a teenage girl thing to play guitar now. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Do you think it's because of all the female Japanese pop bands that came out like through the Quentin Tarantino movies and stuff and that kind of thing caught on? Or why do you think it is? More like the, um, the actual Japanese groups. Um, but even more than that, there were simply a few mangas and a few animes about like, you know, girl groups. And they were popular, oh, so cool. now the girls want to play guitar. <laughs> yeah, oh, so I've seen one of those. Lou over the wall. That's a great movie, and that ha I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the mermaid that starts the band. Oh God, yeah. Oh God, that's a great movie. Yeah, so like, it's it's the the girls who will be like, oh shit, that's a Gibson, you know? Like the guys are like, huh? Is that a guitar? <laughs> <laughs> what do the guys do then? um video games <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it, you know tacos. that's cool <laughs> yeah. it's leveling the playing field for for women to to get involved in music you know no at, as of 2021 I, yeah I, I guess i could say that um yeah being a japanese girl is much cooler than being a japanese dude uh, if you're a teenager or whatever so <laughs> You can always just get your whole body wax and become a pop singer. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's yeah, in Korea. It, nice. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they like K pop in Japan. But yeah, the train station, you'll yeah. usually see a, a few people slinging a, a gig bag. Um, for some reason, I don't really like hard cases in Japan, maybe because we have to get an, on, on, on and off a train so much. But uh, yeah, there's always going to hit people you going or around. someone else in the guts with a hard case. Yeah. yeah. They knock into your knee always give me bruises when i carry them around <laughs> sometimes way more than the guitar yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but i definitely would not put a less paw on a soft case if i can help it because those necks will break yeah no i know yeah Whereas, like, i did and i broke the, the g tuner on mine on my sg when i was a kid i went to a camp and i 
dropped the guitar on the first day and I opened it up and the tuner was like badly bent and I had to buy all new tuners for it. And luckily I didn't break the neck on it. But uh, yeah, no soft cases for Gibsons. No, no. <laughs> you, you have can, to have hard cases. You can throw your fenders down a flight of stairs and it'll probably still be okay. That's <laughs> what I, yeah, I love. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually reading a book right now called The Birth of Loud. And it's about the creation of the electric guitar and how Fender and Les Paul and Paul Bigsby were actually friends in California right before the first electric guitar, solid body electric guitars were built and how they, and how they separated over time. But you know, just that whole thing. And I'm also, it's further reading for people. If you like the pedal movie, you know, the, the birth of loud, it's just a, it's a good history into the, how the, the modern electrical guitar became such a phenomenon, you know? Yeah. I, I think I mentioned in my notes. I, it was just this weekend where I actually played my acoustic again for the uh, first time in quite a while. Like seriously, like I, I, I guess I did it to myself by calling my most recent musical project electric sages. So anytime I'm making a track, it's like, am I going to put the acoustic here? Or is it the casino? It's the casino. Of course that's electric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when I want an yeah, acoustic I think... guitar, I just dial back the casino and use that. <laughs> it's totally cyclical though, right? I mean, we had the 80s and then the rejection of the 80s and then the 90s became way more organic. And then even in the 2000s, you see a lot more like folk music coming back and and folk music was huge. Americana and folk music in the mid 2000s to late 2010s even um, have have just been kind of the, the order of the day you have like all these like heart and a head and heart pedal effects mumford and then you know now with pop music it's interesting because they're stripping everything away like billy eilish and frank ocean it's like like bedroom music like they're just playing really quietly in the bedroom you know and even like the whole mazzy star like thing has kind of come back full circle and the the lush and all that like shoegaze music has has really come full circle so it's like people go like hard in one direction for like 10 years and then they say i want the exact opposite of that now and you know um so it's cool i i like the way music changes and the way you have to kind of ride it yeah i because i read about it i guess i've become conscious about it uh talking about more recent music across all genres by the way not just pop but sort of the um the octave range like squeezing so like a lot of songs you know that's like the melody right now it's like three notes like they're all right next to and mumbling is really big in hip-hop and and a lot of pop music but it's like less articulation yeah because in hip-hop a lot of times it used to be about the struggle of finding the rhyme but now people i know are like you know what it doesn't need to rhyme and it doesn't even need to be a word. <laughs> no. How free like Andre 3000 did all that stuff for nothing. It almost feels like, you know, Andre 3000 like pushed it way beyond and, and made hip hop one thing. And it's like, he can't even make a record anymore. He said, because it's just like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, as soon as I start doing something technical or wild, they're just gonna be like, I don't want to hear that. I want to hear some dude just, chanting the same old thing you know like i got yeah, my uzi and whatever you know like 10 more 
I mean, there's categories have kind of expanded. There's more different types, but as far as yes, for sure. Like, as far as what, what people want to hear on the radio, it's more about uh, how hooky and dancey it can possibly be. You know, right? Of words written by 15 people. I know. Something well, I found is oscillating between claustrophobic sounds and open sounds. So you know, the past several years, I've been doing all electronic drums because I don't have access to actual drums, and I just keep making them like more claustrophobic and you know punchy and claustrophobic and recently it's like oh maybe maybe we should put some more air in it but that's cyclical so, you know both sound cool in certain situations the loop panel has me man i can get the loops going and then i get on the drum kit and then my kid will get on the mic and next thing you know we've just made some weird crap that's one <laughs> garage all over again <laughs> I feel like the loop pedal is a power, also one of the most powerful pedals now because of what people can do with it in all genres. And it's just, everything can be looped now. I mean, you can loop uh, somebody farting into a microphone and make it sound amazing. I mean, you know, if you're creative, it's just a creative tool, a great creative tool. And furthermore, digital has changed. The digital game is totally different. I've like started building a couple of digital pedals and the sampling is so right on you need such high sample rates to do active live digital transposing of of analog signals so you know you get you still have latency you still have some weird like funky cold sounds but i will say the digital realm is kind of the future of of um pedals at this point um and you know every amplifier now has 50 effects built into it every mixer has 50 digital effects built into it and they're all decent you know i mean they're not that bad and you're using an ipad for crying out loud yeah <laughs> but uh just to just to stake my claim a little bit one of the reasons for that is because i can sit in a well not in a rice field but next to the rice fields and, and make music right so i exactly it adds I mean, in that's the, the uh, yeah that is the point because uh if i'm playing sitting here i mean in recording well obviously i'm going to use the night train right <laughs> right but <laughs> not to this thing right well, here this, this was bananas you want to talk about stuff being built in this is a <laughs> so it did break because line six but like yeah, when I was doing it, yeah but it was a, it had, you know it, it was a, something i used for input for recording and the amount of effects this came with software wise, they sounded so cool. I literally, I could see why people would just sit in their room and play this. It was nuts. Yeah. I ran across this yeah. today in an old box. I'm like, that thing was cool. You know, none what, of the what they did was they, um, they made the chips kind of like how they did Linux. It's all open source now. So you can buy a chip for like 10 bucks. You can stick it in a guitar pedal. That's like this big. And I have a guitar pillow that I built and it has 20 effects in it <laughs> and it's tiny. And it's like, you know, you used to buy those like huge multi effects things and they yeah. always sounded really bad. I mean, I don't know if you ever bought a boss multi effects or digitech. No, they were off line six. No, I was about to say I had a, a boss Lemmy 50 for a few years. And in the end, I just gave it to a dude. I didn't even sell it. Yeah. It's like here. You can have this. I need to get this away from you. They're off. They're straight up awful sounding. I mean, they 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 were all horrible modeling of analog effects, and and so that's kind of changed. And I think that's just you know just kind of the future of where pedals are going. And they touched on it in the movie, but they're doing stuff now where like I don't know if you've seen uh, Electro Harmonics has a, an organizer, 
and it or like it's an organ emulator that does b3 they have one that does roads they have one that does mellotron i had the mellotron one and it literally is actual uh digital samples of b3s and and these these really hard to get instruments and you play your guitar and the tracking is like incredibly good and you know it's not quite there where it's like perfect but where they've come with it is i mean phenomenal if you ever have a chance to check out some of these really advanced like digital pedals like strymon and stuff is making some amazing stuff and so there is like a lot of innovation in that in that realm and it just keeps getting more and more of what they're capable of doing so you know it's it, it is kind of like the next frontier if you wanted to get into something new like check out some of those digital pedals they're not all bad you know some of them are really interesting if only they could repair the type of dudes that work at a guitar shop if only they could <laughs> that technology those guys just, i hate to say it but always i encounter the same dude i'm just i don't you know like I'm, i just need to check this out man Move to Japan. We got different folks in those stores. Yeah, you got you're going to the Guitar Center or something, right? That's never go to Guitar Center. Oh no, no, God, no! I <laughs> literally that's just to like see something that I want to buy online and then yeah. leave. <laughs> no, I yeah. you know it's just the the shops that have been around forever. You know, Matt, Matt you you remember like the musicians warehouse and the uh, chick piano stuff like that. You know, just the guys that have worked there forever. Like, oh no, uh, I, I know who you're talking about. Violently judging everything you touch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they definitely do not make you feel welcome. It's almost like they're call they're all about like making you feel like, oh, like don't look at that, don't touch that. <laughs> oh, God. How do you stay open, man? You, <laughs> you just throw five hundred bucks on the counter when you walk in and be like, dude, I'm gonna walk out of here without this five hundred bucks. Like, make me happy. But unfortunately, nobody wants to do that. I don't want to spend 500 bucks without knowing what I'm getting into. I never play anything when I go in a guitar store. I don't know about y'all, but I don't touch anything. I just look. I, I mean, if, if there's a pedal I'm interested in, I'll I'll ask for a guitar so I can plug into that. You know, yeah. but I always know what I want. And I'm like, you know, just get it and get out kind of thing. Yeah. That I, was so intimidating. I, I rarely do, probably because I have to rock my Japanese. <laughs> Got to rock yeah. the Japanese to interface and play the guitars, but uh, uh, this question's still on my mind for the past five minutes. So I, I guess I'll ask it. Hey, Andrew, did you actually loop a fart? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just I, I, yeah, because when Chris said it, the look on your face was like, "I loop farts." <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's best um, when you're doing vocals and stuff. <laughs> I mean, not a lot has changed about me, Chris, since the last time you saw me. Honestly, uh, <laughs> I, I I reached a point uh, as as a guitar player, which I was functional, knew about seven chords, and then that was it. I became functional on other instruments, but I am by no means any any better of a player uh, or yeah. more, mature, more mature person. I just uh, you but know. you were fearless and you had good taste, so. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I mean, you were our lead singer at first before you even played anything. I think you were just singing. And, and you went out there. That was, yeah, that was because I had long hair. I don't think Matt had actually ever. I didn't think I could sing. <laughs> yeah. No, I so remember that's one thing. he writes poems. 
Yeah. yeah. Those are things that should have never left the book. I mean, I, I was happy to do it. It was the most, every time I was a lead singer, be it in that group or in Evergreen or whatever. Yeah, that was a, that was great. Cause you show up, you don't bring anything with you. <laughs> and then no, all you have to do is not swing the microphone, do a couple tricks with the microphone and then you're in, you know, <laughs> you, you step on the stage, you get along here. They give you a mic. Everybody in the place has to hear your voice. I mean, for a kid, that's <laughs> ultimate stuff. So I'll yeah, that over. For sure. I'll take that over any home recording or other instrument that I mess with. Yeah, the the vocals were where it was at. I just at a point realized I, I pretty much decided by the time I was thirty, I needed to quit like all of that in public. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's nothing. It just yeah. <laughs> I don't well, I don't. Else. I'm not smart enough. I'm not as smart as you because I I'm still doing it, even though I don't make very much money. And you know, there's not really any reward in it other than I get to do it. You know, I'll show up and play for free if I think that people are going to listen to me. So <laughs> they don't really have a guitarist's karaoke, but I love doing karaoke. Like, um, yeah, my favorite is at the 40 watt. They would have, you know, drag shows or burlesque or whatever. And <laughs> so at the end of it once the show was over they'd be like someone would put my name in and i'd have to go up and i'm like just pick the song <laughs> it, you know <laughs> yes i do love karaoke oh it's <laughs> I, can't, what? I can't do karaoke anymore because if, if my family goes for example if my daughter's singing i, I have to leave the room now <laughs> why she because she wanted if i'm in the room she didn't want to sing Oh, is it because she's she, knows, she knows you're twelve? <laughs> oh, yeah, because she's twelve. That's 12, all you no? needed to say. <laughs> Wait, who was twelve in fetal pigs? Somebody was twelve. Were you fetal pigs? I think, no, I yeah, I was twelve. I'm I'm the same age as, as yeah, Matthew. Yeah. So but both of I you think were we were all in the same class. Yeah, yeah you were a year older. You're the only one in our class. Wasn't Joss younger than the both of you though? No. Same age as school us. year, though. Okay. Same school year, yeah. His birthday was probably late in the year. His his birthday is probably late in the year, so that made him a little younger. I was but same 14. school year. I was the bad, yeah. Influence yeah. Old kid. <laughs> the bad influence. No, I still have a tape you gave me of like gangster rap, and it has like Black Sheep and uh, DJ Quick. Oh no! Did I really make you a mixtape? And uh, side, and then the other side, I think has James Triple X on it. Oh God! I still have that tape. Not bad if you still have the tape. I mean, you know, (laughs) very, very small bit of music from my youth, and those still get some play. Have to say, yeah, DJ. Yeah, for sure. That record, James. It, yeah. Okay. Oh, Chris, I'm flattered, man. DJ, quick, suck my dick. That's Tim Is that Dog, right? right? Don't let it. I think that's Tim Dog, Dog the shitty rapper that this is yeah. everyone else. That was cool. <laughs> he's he's like a he's he's he basically like predicted Twitter. DJ Quick did yeah. Or Tupac. Oh, oh, Tim okay. Dog. Tim Dog. Oh, Tim Dog. Okay. Don't don't listen to Tim Dog. It's terrible music. As it... <laughs> <laughs> well, if I just make fun of everybody and talk shit. It'll go viral. <laughs> Tim Dog is dead, actually. I think Tim Dog is dead. Okay. Mm. 
That took the air out of the room. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? He punched it about us when we died. He just died first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that's um, sometimes I, I kept thinking about this a few years ago. I, I, of course, I never did this, but kids in the lobby, they have like a little stuffed animal. And some I think of going in there. Oh, oh, be quiet. The bunny's not sleeping. The bunny's dead. Oh, man. Dude, <laughs> that's a good just way to mental, just, scar your child. Just by mental. You know, that's the yeah, thing yeah, about no, children. someone else's child. <laughs> they're so they're so vulnerable. You can just you can see their minds exploding when you tell them things like that, yeah. you know. <laughs> just see the thing in their head going, whoa. <laughs> cool I try not to traumatize students too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of which, I guess I need to go traumatize some students soon. So right. um, let's pull this one to shop. And uh, Chris, tell them about your album or what else is going on, because uh, yeah. I'm still listening to your album. Well, Wolf Jen, yeah, we, we just sold the album. I got a publishing deal with uh, time, uh, Warner. Warner Chapel bought the album uh, to put in film and television. So that was good. That was like a super awesome thing. I got some money coming for that. And um yeah, Wolf Jet. We're playing all over California, festivals, tons of shows in the Bay Area and uh, around that. And we're actually signed up for the Albino Skunk Festival next March um, in South Greer, South Carolina. So I'll be coming back out down south. Maybe I'll make it down to Athens or Atlanta. Um, maybe I could see you again, Andrew. It'd be great to oh, catch yeah. up. Yeah, we're good, man. <laughs> I'll show you what I built. This is something that I made. It's my pedal for my band. That I use, I built it. This is the tuner, and I cut out a hole. And I know your viewers can't see it, but um, it's just a bunch of pedals in one. They just make a box. You can buy a metal box, and and so I just use this at all my shows. And uh, and people are like, "What is that?" And I'd be like, "It's secret. It's top secret. You can't know." So <laughs> special sauce, yeah, yeah. But thanks for letting me. Share. Meanwhile, meanwhile, Angie, you stopped publicly doing stupid shit since you were 30 years old? Um, not in that form. I mean, in that in band form, yes, but in, you know, in all other ways, no. Well, I watched uh, your movie. I think that was made after you were 30. The one where Matt it, Matthew's the, the lead character in it. The satanic oh uh, girls movie. <laughs> what was it called? Psycho Vixen. Psycho Vixen. Yeah. Actually, no, that was mid twenties. We were in our mid twenties when we made that one. <laughs> you ever get a count on how many Hell Satans are in that movie? Oh, never enough. Never enough. <laughs> <laughs> that was my public debut. Actually, that went on at midnight at the Forty Watt in Athens, and I have I've done lots of wild stuff on the stage there, but never I was never in any band that played there. So my movies have played there and yeah, I played Rod Serling in the show there and I was just, just never actually done. I was Rod Serling's ghost, excuse me. Uh, okay. <laughs> so what are we up to now? Gonzorific is going to be at the punk rock flea market at the classic center on July 31st and August 1st. And then our show at uh, Athens Cine will be uh, on November 12th and 13th those will be the midnight movie shows and it's going to be uh, all new stuff including haunted hotcakes and uh, whatever else we come up with between now and November already I guess I'll just I'll leave that out with uh, this is oral hygiene pod at Twitter Facebook all that sort of stuff 
That's fine for a day. Yeah, yeah. I don't like plugging. I don't know what to say when it's time to plug. So I love the you're show. Listening to it all. I've been listening. You're already here. Okay, groovy. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, actually, I, I've started to finally see a bit of an uptick in a uh, listener. So hi, yeah. people that are listening. Hopefully, there'll be a few more. Please uh, review all that sort of things and uh, go make some ridiculous noise on an insane pedal. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you looped it. Yeah, I was gonna try to be the the loop of that. Maybe we could make our, our own virtual loop. Wow, that's, <laughs> that's the future of pedals. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done. Thank you.